today's service or today's uh, teaching and preaching is in our Advent series. We're in week three, and today is an actual teaching on joy. So I am uh, I'm thrilled to get a chance to be uh, preaching uh, again today in our Advent series. As we start into this series on joy, there are some things that come to my mind uh, as I think about joy. Uh, some very specific things. Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is Shepherd's Haven. So if you don't know what Shepherd's Haven is, Shepherd's Haven is a, a ministry here in the city that uh, ministers to uh, adults with special needs. And so we do a concert, we host a concert here every year. Their talent show is what they call it. And, and so men and women come and they do talent. I'm telling you, if, you have, if you've never been, uh, if you think that brought tears to my eyes, I usually end up like a blubbering idiot over here in the corner somewhere huddled up because uh, I just weep a lot uh, whenever they sing because it just stirs my heart so much. One of my favorite people is a, uh, a young lady, and her name, ironically, to, uh, her last name is Joy. Her name's Keela Joy, and uh, she's just one of my favorite people to hear sing uh, whenever she comes and sings with a group. She, they also make a lot of... Um, uh, 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 coffee mugs and platters and plates. And this one was made by Keela. I don't know if you can see that or not. Where's my camera? Just put that on there. Uh, Keela is the one that, uh, that made this one. And it is my favorite mug to drink out of in our house. And people know at my house that this is my mug. Uh, and so this is the one that I drink out of. And so I always think about her uh, when I drink some coffee uh, in, in the mornings. Uh, but Joy... Uh, just exudes from the men and women from Shepherd's Haven when they come, and I get overwhelmed with joy uh, as well. Uh, the second thing that reminds me of joy uh, a lot of times is uh, a song that you may have sang in VBS or uh, maybe in your church sometime a long time ago. Uh, you know, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. You know, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. I won't keep going, and I'm so happy. No, I'm not gonna, we don't have time for that. <laughs> but another one of my favorite songs when it comes to joy is, uh, have you heard this one? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. All right, so you know it, which is good, because the, one of the things that we did when I was growing up in VBS is we would do one of these things where part would start and then the next would keep going. So we're going to do that today. <laughs> Yes, yes. And so we're going to start uh, with this group, and then we'll pick up to this group, and then we'll go to this group. So this is group one, right there, back to right in this section. Well, wherever this section went. There you go. Yeah, so this is group one. The middle section is group two, and this is group three, okay? You, are you with me? You know, how this, you know how this goes, and when you start, I'll bring you in in case you don't know, okay? All right, so here we go. You ready? Section one. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Ricky, going. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, everybody together. Rejoice. 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 And again, I say, Rejoice. 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 And again, I say, Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. Hey, y'all were better than I expected. Give yourselves a, give yourselves a hand. I have two responses that I wrote down here to that whole, that whole escapade. One was, that brought me much joy, uh, and it did, because you did that as well. Or, and my other response was, I hoped that would bring me more joy. Uh, so I wasn't sure how that was going to go. Uh, so that brought me much joy to hear you uh, singing and participating. Um, hey, so uh, as we get into this, what is biblical joy? That's, that's the real question as, as we get it. Hey, does anybody need a Bible? Let me, I forgot that. Does anybody need a Bible? If you do, raise your hand. We'll bring you one. Our blue shirts will bring you one. Don't even be afraid to raise your hand. If you didn't bring one with you, uh, our blue shirts will bring you one right now. Raise your hand really high so they can see you. A couple over here. Yep. Cool. Hey, that's, uh, if you need one, keep that Bible. That's our gift to you. Uh, and, and so we're glad to put one of those uh, in your hand today. So what is biblical joy? Uh, the truth is biblical joy is, um, uh, it's not necessarily happiness, okay? Sometimes those things can kind of uh, get, uh, get synonymous with each other, but the truth is they're really not alike at all. Uh, in the ESV, which is what I preach from and what we mostly go to, in the English Standard Version of the Bible, uh, the words joy or rejoice or joyful is found like 430 times in the Scripture, while happiness or happy is found only like 10 times. And so there's a big difference in uh, in, in, in being joyful and necessarily being happy. Joy is really lasting. Joy, joy spans the test of time. Joy satisfies the heart in, in unique ways. I, I would even say this, that joy is characteristic of God's people. Joy is characteristic of God's people. And so as God's people, if you consider yourself a, a follower of Jesus, if you consider yourself inside the household of faith, then I think it's a good time for us to take a little bit of time to just examine yourself and go, hey, am I joyful? Am I full of joy? If you're unsure, ask your spouse. Actually, why don't you do that right now? Ask your spouse, hey, am I joyful? And I'm not trying to start a fight, but uh, am I a joyful person? If they don't respond right away, just give them a break right now. We, can do, we do marriage counseling here as well. So. But joy is characteristics of God's people. It's really found in the presence of God. Whenever we spend time with the Lord, that we find joy in those kind of things. And so uh, some will tell you again that joy and happiness are the same. Uh, yet all of us know the truth that li here, here's kind of to think about it in a certain way One can be happy and joyful at the same time, right? You, you can be joyful and you can be happy And so you can see there that things could be synonymous if you consider in that particular context um, But also one can be unhappy and joyful 
So you can be sad about something. You can lament about some things, but you can still be joyful at the same time. So those happy and joyful aren't necessarily synonymous. They can be at times, but aren't necessarily uh, uh, synonymous. Happiness um, is really a feeling in the middle of circumstances, right? So, so our circumstances around us can be good and things can be going really well. Um, and, and so happiness is really dependent on circumstances, but joy is not really dependent upon our circumstances. A happiness is really fleeting. It kind of comes and goes. It can go in a, in really quickly. Uh, happiness can come, and just like that, it can, it can disappear. But joy, we believe joy, biblical joy, joy in the Lord is really everlasting. Happiness may depend on others. Your happiness may come because you are with a particular person. Your happiness may come because you have a specific job. Your happiness may come because your football team won a game or something like that. That can make you happy, but joy comes from the Lord. Joy is something that is given to us uh, from God himself. And here's how we know that is true, because uh, Galatians chapter 5 tells us this, that the fruit of the Spirit is, read these with me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so this, this is the fruit of the Spirit. I'll give you a little sidebar on this. It's not the fruits of the Spirit, okay? Just as, a, as an FYI, uh, if you're, as you're saying that to someone, it's not the fruits of the Spirit. Say that with me, fruits. Yeah, it's not the fruits of the Spirit. This is one fruit. It all comes as a package from the Lord. The Holy Spirit gives us the fruit of the Spirit. And when, the, when you repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in Christ, the, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you, then this is the fruit that, that comes from that should be overflowing or at least beginning to well up in your life. That makes sense, church? To two of you, it does. Uh, so let's think about this. If you're new here, I actually ask a lot of questions, and usually I want a response. If I don't want one, I'll tell you. Uh, but if I ask a question, I'd like for you to respond. I don't know what's wrong with you people that have been here for a while. What's wrong with you people? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're forgiven. Um, uh, so where does this fruit uh, come from? Holy Spirit, yeah. Think, think about this. Where does, where does fruit on a tree come from? You're like, I don't know, I'm no, I don't know, I'm not a tree guy. <laughs> so if I plant an apple tree, what should I expect to come out of the apple tree? Apples. If I plant an avocado tree, is that a tree? We'll go with it. If I plant an avocado tree, what should I expect to grow on the avocado tree? Avocado, yes. And so if the Spirit of God is implanted within me, if I am saved, if I repented and believed the gospel, what fruit do I get from that? On the screen, read it with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, the verse goes on and says, against these there is no law. And so obviously today we are, are, are focusing on one aspect of this fruit that comes from us, and it is uh, a joy. And, and many times we look for uh, temporary things, things that make us feel good, things that, um, that give us status uh, to really have joy. What are, what are some of those things that we look for to, to give us joy? Legit question. What? What did she say? I don't understand. No habla espanol. 
Scrolling. Ah, yes, scrolling. Yeah, thank you. See, see, yes. Scrolling, yes. That, that, that we, a lot of people get a lot of joy from scrolling. Anybody but Siri. <laughs> Just kidding. Hobbies, yeah, look for hobbies. Family, yep. What else? What, what, are we, what are we looking for to give us joy? Food, yep. Chicken strips. Money. Children. Music, yep. What, was, what did he say? Bourbon. Bourbon. <laughs> That's two weeks in a row. Welcome to Refuge. Relationships, yep. Your job, yeah, your job. Yeah, we look for these things. We look for things like this to bring joy to us. But the truth is, literally, all those things that you just said could be here today and what? Gone tomorrow. So we talk about our lives, the scripture talks about our lives being like vapors and how, you know, you think about as wintertime is coming and, and you breathe out of your mouth and you can see your breath. When the scripture talks about our life, it's almost like that. It's like a vapor. It's quick and you see it and then it's gone. And so if, if, our, if the scripture describes our life like that, think about these things that we just talked about where we find joy. If our life is fleeting like a vapor, how much more are these temporal things even more fleeting around us whenever those are the things we try to find uh, joy in? The truth is, joy is given from God. Joy is given from God. Joy is a gift that comes from the Lord. Joy is lasting. Uh, we find joy, we can even find joy in the midst of trouble. We can find joy even in the midst of heartache. We, we can see that joy is one of those beacons to our souls even in the middle of trials and difficult times. And, and true joy is found only in a saving, and I would say even a growing relationship uh, with the Lord Jesus. Uh, open your Bibles, if you, if, you, uh, if you will, to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. We'll be, uh, we're going to look at the first nine verses. 1 John chapter 1. Here's what, here's what John writes. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be made complete. If you're an underliner, I would even underline that or highlight that in your Bible. We are writing to you these things so that our joy may be made complete complete. He goes on and says this, this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so as we think about joy, we, we, go, this, we go back to see this and what John wrote. He said, he said, hey, we're writing this so that our joy may be made complete. And, and the truth that what he's trying, the point that he's trying to get across, and I mean, he just comes straight out of the gate as he's writing this to, uh, as, as he's writing this letter. And he says that my joy is made complete because it comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Joy comes whenever you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just want to, I'm going to sidebar here just again a little bit and say, Hey, joy comes if you are a Christian. Joy comes if the Spirit of God actually lives within you. If you examined yourself, or maybe if your spouse kind of gave you that side eye a little bit when we just did that exercise a little bit and go, man, I don't see a lot of joy in you, honey, uh, or I, I'm not feeling the joy today, dear. Uh, maybe it's time to examine your own heart and go, hey, do I have the Spirit of God that actually lives within me? Hey, am I overflowing with joy? Is joy becoming part of the fruit of the Spirit? Is it coming out just like fruit grows off of a tree? The picture that Jesus was giving is saying, hey, or that Paul was writing whenever he wrote that to the Galatians, is that joy is a fruit. It comes out of you whenever the Spirit of God actually lives within you. So all that comes through a relationship with the Lord Jesus, through repentance and faith, when we repent of our sins, which means we turn from our sins and we put our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus, his sinless life, his death on the cross, the fact that God raised him from the dead three days later, his resurrection from the dead. Now, here's an idea of why some of you may not have joy. And as I was thinking about this, even this, these last few days, as I was thinking about preaching this particular message, um, uh, some of our salvation experiences uh, are, um, um, hmm, possibly not true. I, I, I really, I, I don't like how, um, hmm, let me think of the best way to say this. I'll just say it. I don't like how sometimes in churches we make such an easy believism out of the gospel. Yeah, yes, it's easy. Repent and believe the gospel. Salvation does come easy. We don't have to work for it. We're not having to jump through hoops to get to it. But many times, and maybe even in your own past, that easy believism comes because somebody has said, hey, say these prayers. And my byline that I really can't stand is to ask Jesus into your heart. I, 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 you may have said that to your kids. That may be the experience that you have. I don't like that. That's not biblical language. That's why you hear us use the language repent and believe because that's biblical God. That's biblical language to what it means to follow Jesus. But asking Jesus into our heart, you don't read that in the scriptures. You don't read that terminology in the scriptures. What you read is repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. Repent and believe the gospel. And so my fear for so many in the South specifically, and for some of you because of what you've experienced, is that repentance and belief may not actually be what you've done. You may have simply asked Jesus into your heart. 
And what I believe, and, and, and based off what I read from the scriptures, those sometimes can be very different things. You go, well, well, that's what I did when I asked Jesus into my heart. Is it? Is it repentance that came? Is it a turning from, from your sin, recognizing that your sin is an affront to a righteous and holy God, and go, I've sinned against you, and against you alone have I sinned, O God? And I recognize that my sin is such a deep and, and a deep-rooted uh, offense to you, God, and I don't want to do that anymore, and I desperately need your grace to save me, the, the precious blood of Jesus to cleanse me of my sins. Is that what you meant by that? Or I just need to ask Jesus in my heart so I get my golden ticket one day whenever I go to heaven. It's a fear that I have. Honestly, it's a fear that I have for our church family. I, I, I don't get concerned with too many other churches because I'm not the pastor of those churches. But I, I have fears for our church family. For some of you, that that's what you're banking on, that you ask Jesus into your heart somewhere along the way. But there's been no change in your life. There's been nothing different. The Holy Spirit doesn't make a difference to you because the Holy Spirit doesn't live within you. Adrian Rogers used to say, whenever he would give an invitation, he would say, I I'm not looking for a sign. I'm not looking for a feeling. We're not looking for some experience. We're looking for a repentance and faith that actually comes. See, joy is found in that type of relationship. If you go, I have no joy in my relationship with God. I, have no I find no joy in my relationship with Jesus. It could be because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. It could be that very thing. It could be that you've gone through some religious ritual somewhere in your past and that nothing has ever changed about you. And so there's no joy in your relationship with the King of Kings. My hope for you, my hope for each of us, my hope for anybody that happens to be watching at this time is that you examine yourself. You ask the Holy Spirit himself to go, am I in a relationship with Jesus Christ? You, you probably know. You probably know. Is there any joy about being a follower of Jesus? If there's not, if that's not part of the fruit of the Spirit of God that lives within you, then maybe the Spirit of God doesn't live within you. And I say that with as much love as I can possibly say to you, church. If I just let you continue on believing something that may not be true, how hateful would that be? I want you to experience the joy of the Lord in a relationship with him through repentance and faith. Okay, preacher. But sometimes it's just hard to be joyful. I, I, I'm a Christian preacher, uh, but sometimes it's just hard to be joyful in the middle of trials. I mean, stuff comes at us, and, and, and it's just sometimes very hard to, to be full of joy in the middle of things. And I would say, if anybody knows that, Refuge Church knows that. Amen? I mean, we've, we've had our own set of trials and tribulations and, and difficult times. And by, by God's grace, we're not in one of those right now. Uh, but we, we've had enough share of that ourselves. And, and I'm sure if you weren't here for that, you had enough share of yourself. We, we can all say that we've had enough share of trials and tribulations. Um, we could all agree with that. Look, look with me at James chapter 1. You're in your Bible at 1 John. I turn to the left. And go back to James chapter 1. James talks about this in, in verses 2 through 4. He says this, man, talking about troubles. 
He says this, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So this is the first thing that James writes right after his greeting. Like you get a couple of verses of greeting, hey, I'm James, and this is, I'm a servant of the Lord, as who, this is who I'm here for, and he jumps right into this, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Why do you think that's the case? Why do you think he jumps right into saying that statement? I don't know, you're the preacher. Uh. Because this is such an important piece for followers of Jesus, okay? He, James writes this because he knows what it's going to be like as a follower of Jesus. He said, I need to encourage the people that I'm writing to because I know this is coming or I know they're in the very midst of this right now. And so I want to encourage you uh, this, uh, this very day that trials will be part of your life as a Christian. Uh, I, I just talked to our dear brother Nathan that we just baptized a couple of, couple of weeks ago. Uh, and you, if you were here and you heard Nathan's testimony, man, he, uh, he had a wonderful testimony of, of God delivering him from some just a very, very difficult and, and bad choices he made and difficult life that he walked through. And, and then right after that, man, he had a death in his family. And, and so, I mean, I told him, I said, bro, look, expect things to come and, and, and expect things to happen. Expect difficulties to come because now you're, you're, you're going head to head with your enemy and, and, and you have an adversary now that you've become a follower of Jesus. And so, and so it's not a, shouldn't be a surprising thing to us Christians that, adver, that adverse times come. Uh, and, and again, James says it, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, because you know that test, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Steadfastness is that you can stand in the middle of your trials and tribulations, that you can stand strong in the middle of whenever these things come and, and you don't blow like the wind and blow le uh, left and right and, and, and the foundation is, is sure. And, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, the unfortunate thing, and I'm back on my soapbox here, the unfortunate thing is that our soft, feminized, uh, prosperity gospel, emotionally driven preaching that some of you still listen to, despite my warnings from this pulpit, that y'all still listen to some of these Jake legs that preach just some garbage. You ought to repent for listening to those people. I've got a list um, that some of this prosperity garbage preaching that makes us feel good and tickles our fancy, you need to get rid of, first off. But has specifically, uh, I, I did say specific, not specifically, specifically, has specifically, um, has given this false notion that has deceived so many people over the last, I would say, 30 or so years is that believing that once someone becomes a follower of Jesus, 
or as in this soft language of asking Jesus into our hearts, that everything will fall into place and everything will be just fine and everything will be like a box of Little Debbie Christmas cakes or something, that that'll be what we, what we just bask in, that we can just uh, look, expect those to be at our door every week. And when it's not, and when trials and tribulations come, Many new followers of Jesus may ask themselves, wait a minute, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what Pastor X, Y, or Z told me that life being following Jesus was going to be like. He told me it was all going to be health and wealth and prosperity and that I should expect no sickness because I'm a follower of Jesus. And I should never expect to uh, experience trials and tribulations. Do you see how that contradicts exactly what the scriptures say? If, if, if you've sat under preaching or you're listening to some Jake Leg preach that garbage right now, that it's health, wealth, and prosperity, and everything will be fine, look back at James. Let's look back at verse 2 and see what James had to say. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. James lays it out right away. And he says, count it joy, and we're going to get to why he says that, when these kinds of things come. But some of these other dudes that, again, we need to turn off, say you, you're not going to experience those things. You see the, the opposite? You see the lie that these people portray? Many new followers of Jesus, and on, honestly, I would say many of you maybe who are on, still on the milk that aren't digging into what it means to follow Jesus, that are not becoming a disciple of Jesus, that are not growing in your faith, that you're just listening on the milk, or you're expecting me to be like a mama bird and chew this stuff up and to spit it into your mouth every week, that are, that are not in digesting this on your own. Still, the, the, the scriptures call it still on the milk of the word. Maybe you're thinking, how could this be happening to me? I mean, I follow Jesus. I'm a Christian. How in the world could this be happening to me? I go back to sometimes it's easy believism, and sometimes we find no joy in those type of things because maybe the Spirit of God doesn't live within you. Joy comes from the knowledge of knowing that we belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to us. Joy comes as part of the fruit of the Spirit. Even in trials, even in tribulation, even in difficult times, that there can certainly be joy. And that's what James had to say about it. But it wasn't just John and it wasn't just James who talked about joy in the middle of trials. The Apostle Peter shared a view on this as well. Uh, uh, turn with me, if you will, in 1 Peter chapter 6 through 9. Turn to the right. 1 Peter chapter 1. Look what he says in verse 6. He says, in this you rejoice. And, and I, I, I skipped over the first five verses. But the first five verses, he's talking about being born again. So he's talking about what I was just talking about. He's like talking about repentance and faith. And that's what he talks about in the first five verses. So in the beginning, he says, in this you rejoice. You rejoice in the fact that you've been born again, that the Spirit of God actually lives within you, and you have been born again. And, and so he says, in this rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. 
so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And, and, and so look what he says, in this you've been born again. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, and then he, then he sidebars and said, it's more precious than gold. And why is it more precious than gold? Because gold perishes. Gold goes away. Riches go away. All that temporal stuff goes away. That your salvation is more precious than anything you can lay your hands on physically into this world. That you may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's like, hey, Jesus is coming back again, and I want you to be found in him, and I want you to be found worshiping him and counting him more precious than even any riches that you may find yourself uh, trusting in. So joy in the Lord is vastly different than worldly joy. And again, worldly joy uh, can, can be temporary things. Things like, uh, uh, think about the ocean water that washes up on a beach, that it comes up and it just disappears. Think about going to Destin or wherever your favorite beach location is. That's one of my favorite things. We love to sit out on the, on the beach about as time the sun's going down and watch it go down and take our chairs down by the water and the waves come up and they just flow away. And the waves come up and it just flows away. Are you with me? The waves come up and the waves just flow away. Uh, it comes and it goes. That reminds me of what temporary things that we have whenever we put our trust in anything but Jesus that, that, that Peter was talking about. That it comes and it goes, it ebbs and it flows. That kind of joy, or I would even say that kind of happiness whenever we put it in temporal things, is not something that you and I can cling to whenever we get into the middle of a loss of a child or loss of a loved one. Or when you're facing the fact that your marriage may be in trouble and, and you're trying to figure out how do I find joy in the middle of where my husband and I am or my, where my wife and I am or where my relationship with my children is. We can't find joy in those things whenever we put our joy in temporal things. There's no joy in those in the middle of troubles. But joy from the Holy Spirit can and will stay with you for the long haul. For the believer or the... For the believer, the, the fruit of the Spirit, and, and today specifically, I would say joy is really like a bottomless va a, a, a vase of water, one that just never runs out. There's always this abundant supply, even in the darkest days, when sadness or, or grief or pain or any of those things overwhelm you, the joy of the Lord does not go away. And the joy of the Lord cannot be taken away. Oh, you, you might think it's gone. You might be in the middle of some things and go, man, I'm not joyful right now. I'm not joyful at, at, the, at the fact of this particular thing happening. I mean, your present circumstances uh, may feel like things have been taken away from you. And, and some things probably have been taken away from you in your circumstances. But the joy of the Lord has not dissipated from you. You may have to grieve for a moment. There may be grief that comes, but joy comes in the morning. We are promised as followers of Jesus the constant presence 
of the Holy Spirit who brings us joy. And Jesus promised in John 15, 11, he told these followers these things. He said, I've told you these things that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Jesus also reminded his disciples of this very thing. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And so maybe that's the message you need to hear today. In this world, the troubles that you're having, Jesus said you'll have those troubles. But take heart. He has overcome the world. You may be like, all right, Pastor Scott, hear what you're saying. I'm with you so far. But how do I really experience this joy in my Christian life? Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote what is now one of my or has been for a long time, one of my favorite uh, verses. Uh, go to Philippians, if you will, with you. Turn back to the left. It's the pop, in the popcorn, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. Paul wrote this, Paul wrote Philippians uh, from prison, and, and in this passage, he gives some guidelines for experiencing joy in this life. Look at me, if you will, in Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 4 through 8. He says this, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You just sang that. We're not going to sing it again. Uh, Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. See, See, the truth is that as a follower of Jesus, it's impossible to live this life without some type of trials. Young people, listen to me. I have such a, I have such a uh, heavy heart for our young people today. Man, I grew up in the 80s, which was the greatest generation, uh, and the greatest time to grow up ever. There's no argument there. If you're arguing with me, just be quiet. You know what I'm saying? Phil, we, we on the same page? Uh, Phil agrees. Phil and I agree that the 80s was just the best time to grow up. And so um, there, there are lots of things that you kids, you young people, you students have to deal with that I didn't have to deal with. Just, just lots of things that didn't come my way that come your way. That you have to, that just inundate, you, you get inundated by stuff on your phone. Man, I didn't even have a computer in my house when I was in high school. Kids are like, what? Yeah, it's, it's true. Ask your parents. Uh, and, and so you get inundated with lots of things, lots of different images, lots of different messages that your parents and I didn't have to deal with, but you have to deal with today. And so it's impossible, and so our kids today have to deal with lots of those things that bring depression and sadness and all type of of different things, again, that you and I didn't have to deal with. And I just want to encourage you young people that there's hope for you. You don't need to be hopeless or feel hopeless even in today's world because there is hope for you that is found not in your parents. Your parents don't bring you hope. True hope, true trust comes from following Jesus. True hope that gives you something that's out there that's bigger than you, bigger than your circumstance, comes in following Jesus. And and so in this passage in Philippians, Paul is encouraging the Philippians uh, then, and I would say Christ's followers today, that no matter what's going on, remember that God is near. He encourages us to pray about our worries. He says, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the result of that, when you let your request be made known to God, is that the peace of God comes that passes all understanding even in the middle of our circumstances, even the extreme ones that maybe some of you are right in the middle of. Because our minds are set on the Lord rather than on our circumstances. Jesus also talked about this in John chapter 15. Go back to John. Turn back to the left. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 11. Turn quickly. Running out of time. John wrote this. As the Father has loved me, so also I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Hmm, let's think about this. So there was James and Peter and Paul and Jesus. That's like a Southern Gospel Quartet. You know, uh, uh, just, just, just the, the four just getting down on it, you know, and with a microphone, you know, one of these. Uh, uh, and, and so that, that's, the, that's the four uh, horsemen of the gospel apocalypse, you know, that are coming at you. Uh, that, that, that are, they're, they're all saying the same type of thing. And so the question becomes, if this is true, and all these people have said this, how do we experience joy in our Christian life? How do we live in community with other people and, and experience this together? One last time, we're going to turn a place, and that's Hebrews. Turn back to the right. Hebrews. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James. That's where you're going. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Here's what he says. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet to get together, which is the habit of some, but it's encouraging one another as all the more you see the day of the Lord drawing near. And I would say this, much joy comes from those kinds of things that, that the writer of Hebrews was talking about. Us stirring one another up in affections toward Christ Jesus. Us encouraging one another whenever we're going along and we know a brother or sister who is facing a trial. That, listen, church, that's not the time to run away from your friend. When they're in the midst of trials and tribulations and they're weeping and they're having difficulty, that's not the time to go and hide in the corner somewhere. That's the time to enter in. That's the time to draw close. That's the time to say, I don't know what I can do here, but I'm just going to be here with you. That's the time whenever we desperately, desperately need each other. Much joy for mine comes whenever I look around and see the people that God has placed in my life. The people that the Holy Spirit has said, man, I'm going to put these people around you and they're going to walk with you and they're going to encourage you along the way. I, I'm so thankful that, that the Holy Spirit has drawn many of you to come to refuge during this time to meet together and to stir one another up and to encourage each other along the way as we follow Jesus. You, Refuge Church, bring much joy to me. 
Because honestly, I can see the work of the Lord in your life. We, we, we say this regularly at Refuge, in, in our staff meetings, and our elder meetings, man, we're, we're, we're doing the same thing in the same direction just a little bit at a time. Same thing in the, in, in the same direction over and over again. And what we see is the Holy Spirit continue to change people a little bit by little bit over and over again. You may not see it from day to day, you may not see it from week to week, but from year to year, over times like that, we see what the Holy Spirit is doing in, in many of your lives. I hope you're seeing some of that same thing to you, uh, the, yourself. So lastly, I'll, I'll say this. What is joy in the Lord? The joy of the Lord is the gladness of heart that comes from knowing God and abiding in Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Trinitarian theology is knowing God, abiding in Jesus, and being filled with the Holy Spirit, which brings us back to joy in Advent. The first Advent, when Jesus was born, the angels announced good tidings of great joy. Jesus exemplified joy in his ministry. Jesus was no stoic lots of times. Rather, Jesus was, was accused of being too joyful on many occasions. Too joyful. That guy, is, he, he's, 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 uh, he's, he's drunk at a wedding. He's having such a good time. He's enjoying himself and enjoying being around others. Jesus described himself as the bridegroom at a wedding feast. Think about going to a, a wedding today. What happens at weddings today? People dance and they celebrate and they sing and they, they hug and they, they do lots of things together. Think about a bridegroom. Jesus was described that way, the, like a bridegroom at a wedding, full of joy, full of anticipation, full of what's to come. Jesus spoke of my joy, speaking of his own joy, and promised to give his disciples a lifetime supply of his own joy. The early church was characterized by gladness and full of heart and the joy in the Lord. And Paul wrote in Romans 14, 17, that the joy of the Holy Spirit is a distinguishing mark of the kingdom of God. And Jesus is the one who brings true joy into our world. He is the one who gives joy to his people. Even if you're in the throes of some deep, overwhelming life circumstance, one of life's great trials. For the Christian, for the follower of Jesus, God's joy really is there. You can consider each trial to bring you joy. You can greatly rejoice with the expectation of joy inexpressible that is still yours even in the middle of life's circumstances because you are his and he is yours. Now, here's what we know. This joy may be unrecognizable to some of you. It may be indistinguishable for some of you because you don't possess it. It may seem some type of church religiosity language that Pastor Scott is using today. Here's what John Piper said about this. He said, God does not just flip a switch and you rejoice with no mental content whatsoever. The Holy Spirit is given to glorify Jesus Christ, which means the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of one's heart to see the beauty of Jesus. When I see Jesus and all that he is doing and all that he is, then my heart is drawn out in joy towards him. The Holy Spirit bears this fruit by causing us to see the beauty of Jesus Christ. So joy 
truly isn't necessarily a feeling. Yet, yes, it, it's more than happiness. But joy is rooted in a person. Joy is rooted in a person, just like the other aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is not mustered up in our circumstances. We don't muster up joy, just go, I, I need to be joyful. I need to be joyful, so I'm going to grit my teeth and bear it. Joy came in the first advent. And eternal joy will be filled in the second advent. The second coming. Advent means coming. In the first coming, joy was personified in Jesus. And eternal joy comes at his second advent. The first advent brought joy in the flesh, brought joy in Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Your sins, your secret sins, your secret trials, those secret things that you're hiding. He takes away the sins of the world. And even better, will take away your sins. And he offers in the place of the judgment of God, he offers instead the grace of God, eternal life filled with the Holy Spirit who brings everlasting joy to you and to me. Today, will you come to Jesus? Will you receive this joy that comes from knowing the Lord? We're going to invite you to do that. Let's pray together.